It's In My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we're talking about Scandal. So this is the second show in our Shondaland series. Technically, we did Grey's Anatomy last week, and technically the next uh, Shonda Rhimes show is Private Practice, which was a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy uh, in 2007, I believe, was when it started. Um, Then it took a character who was like a side character from Grey's Anatomy and then gave her her own show that was in like an outpatient uh, practice rather than in a hospital. But it was still um, on that medical theme. We decided not to skip that one because, you know, we haven't seen any more of Grey's Anatomy. So like our thoughts on a spinoff might not be as meaningful. So we've gone on to her third show, which was Scandal. And Scandal is in some ways similar to Grey's Anatomy, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those similarities as we get into the episode. Um, It takes place in a very high-pressure work environment. In this case, it's a crisis management firm rather than a hospital with surgeons, but it's still very high stakes, fast pace, and you get the sense that it's going to be about the cases that they handle from week to week, but also about uh, personal drama between the people that work there. Scandal ran for seven seasons from 2012 to 2018 for a total of 124 episodes. It was a mid-season replacement in the 2012 uh, TV season. It started in April and I think only had like seven or so episodes in that first season because it started so late and just filled in the end of the time slot. Shonda started developing the pilot in 2011, actually, and this was when she already had two successful shows on the air, so it was like a big deal. Everyone already knew that her stuff was going to be quality, so everyone was like hyped for it. Even though it was put in as a mid-season replacement, it actually got the Thursday night primetime time slot right after Grey's Anatomy. It bumped private practice out of that and moved private practice to uh, Tuesday nights, and that's how confident everybody was that this show was going to be a hit. And then it was, it got very good ratings, lots of renewals throughout its run. I avoided looking too much towards the later seasons because I haven't seen it and I was trying to avoid spoilers. But from what I could tell, the ratings uh, increased for the first few seasons, like the seasons like two, three, four got like very good acclaim. It dropped a little bit towards the end and some more mixed reviews towards the end. But all in all, it got renewed over and over for seven seasons, which is pretty solid. The lead uh, of Olivia Pope is played by Kerry Washington. And the character of Olivia Pope, interesting tidbit I found, was based on Judy Smith, who was a press aide to George H.W. Bush. And uh, she served as a co-executive producer on the show. So they actually had somebody with like very firsthand experience in the White House and in managing these scandals and managing the press consulting on the show, which I imagine gives it a certain amount of credibility and realism. That's really cool. I would, once I watch more of the show, I would be very interested to like see if it's how much of it is like based on specific things from her time working with Bush Sr., so yeah, uh, Kerry Washington was cast as the lead. Apparently, Gabrielle Union and Taraji P. Henson also auditioned for the role, but uh, Kerry Washington got it. At that point, she had done quite a lot of movies and some Broadway as well, but this was like her first lead role on a TV series, I believe. And like, she was already known at that point, but like, just got a whole new level of acclaim. 
uh, lots of awards nominations, awards wins for various different awards. And as someone who hasn't seen the show, I feel like her performance is one of the things I've heard the most talked about. Yeah, for sure. And like recommended as one of the strong things about the show. So like, I was excited to see her. Yeah, my mom actually started watching the show specifically because she loves Carrie Washington. I think that that's why she stuck with it for as long mm-hmm. as she did. Yeah, it just goes to show like a strong actor can really pull through a lot. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I have kind of similar feelings about how to get away with murder, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about next week. I I enjoyed that show and I've seen a few seasons of it, not all of it. But even in like seasons two and three, it starts to get kind of ridiculous. And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm watching this for the plot, but I do really enjoy Viola Davis. So I'm going to keep watching for her because like no matter what's going on in that show, she is just phenomenal. So I'm going to be honest, I don't really have much else interesting from the background. There's there's not so much of like a story behind the development of this one because Shonda Rhimes was already like a very established writer and producer at this point. So I think it was more just a case of she was asked to create another pilot another show and Mm -hmm. then it was good and then it happened so i have a random skidmore related story um to do with scandal the first time that i visited skidmore was after i got in i like went to stay with a friend because i missed the like accepted students day thing but then the next day like when my mom came i had i got a stomach bug and it was a thursday night And so I was like, I remember sitting in the hotel. I felt like I was having a fever dream. I was so sick, but my mom was still watching Scandal. (laughs) So like, I like vaguely know what happened in that episode. We like got back to the hotel and I'm like still so, so sick. I was, I don't know what happened. I was so ill. Don't, don't know why I decided to go to Skidmore to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty bad experience. (laughs) You know, sometimes some things are more important than you're caring for your sick child. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, with Scandal, I knew next to nothing. I think I knew that Kerry Washington's character was Olivia Pope, and that was it. Like, that was the end of my knowledge. So I really... I also knew knew that she really likes popcorn and wine. um, (laughs) Good taste. And that she says it's handled. Um, Yeah. That's that's it. That's, like, all I know. Um, Yeah, so I guess let's just go right into it. So this uh, first episode, Scandal Season 1, Episode 1, it's called Sweet Baby. It has a real title. I appreciate that Shonda puts real titles on her pilots. I like that. And it aired on April 5th, 2012. As we said, it was a mid-season replacement. The episode description, or actually this might have been like the show description. I don't know. It was the description that I saw on Hulu, but I wrote it down. It said, a young lawyer starts a new job at a crisis management firm pretty you know like that that does describe it technically what happens in this episode but also a lot other a lot of other things happen too (laughs) as we begin the show the first thing we see is a couple establishing shots of dc and um there's also like these like camera click sound effects but also like visual effects and that's as we see later in the show that's kind of like the standard transition shot they use throughout They'll use, like, a few shots of DC and these little, like, camera clicks. It gives you this, like, impression of, like, the paparazzi are always there or the news is always there, like, watching, you know, what's going on. So that's kind of a stylistic thing that they had throughout. The first thing Mm -hmm. that we have, uh, we have a young woman 
arriving at a restaurant and she meets a guy over at the bar. She introduces herself as Quinn Perkins and the guy introduces himself as Harrison Wright. Quinn, she says, I don't do blind dates. And then Harrison says, this is a job interview. There's a lot of back and forth in this conversation. And generally throughout the show, people just talked really fast, I felt like. And it was very hard to write all the things down. Yeah. Talking extremely fast. It honestly felt faster than Gilmore Girls to me. And Gilmore Girls is known for its fast dialogue. It's the way that they talk is how I picture lawyers talking. I know nothing about being a lawyer, but that's how I like, I feel like in like certain law shows, it's like lawyers will have that like weird back and forth conversation with each other. And it's so fast. And you're like, but why are you talking this fast? Yeah, it it does establish like the character of the lawyers, but also I felt like it was just also trying to get across a lot of exposition very fast as well. Yeah, there's there's a lot of information that, we get from this te- also just from this teaser yeah um, i wrote I down like when the the teaser was over it was only two minutes but we had gotten what felt like at least five minutes of information to me to my brain like they conveyed yeah. a lot so she thinks it's a blind date and then he harrison says it's a job interview she's like this is not a job interview i didn't apply for a job and also like what we're in a restaurant and then he's just like ask me who i work for you're gonna want to work for who i work for and she goes okay who do you work for and he says olivia pope and by the way that she reacts to this name you can tell olivia pope is a big fucking deal it also kind of feels like like the gravity of the way that they stopped and paused um Mm -hmm. also like really made a huge distinct difference between how quickly they were talking to start with yeah exactly it was like super super back and forth fast 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 olivia pope pause even if you didn't know that she's already the main character like you hear that name and you're like whoa she's a big deal obviously so that makes it pretty clear and then uh harrison kind of goes off on this long speech saying like you say you're not here for a job interview, but trust me, you want this job. Olivia told me to hire you. Um, she is as amazing as they say. We're the good guys. We're the gladiators. He goes on this whole big speech about gladiators. And then he tells her to say, I'm a gladiator. Like, never really even gave her a chance to respond. But he's like, say it. Say, I'm a gladiator. And then she, she says it. Yeah, in a suit. She says, I'm a gladiator in a suit. I thought this teaser was pretty interesting. I feel like in... A lot of shows teasers like the first episode you usually see that like main character person mm-hmm. but in this one we don't see Olivia we see Quinn which I think is an interesting setup for the episode mm-hmm. and also the way that we the audience are learning about Olivia at the same mm-hmm. time that Quinn is also learning about Olivia That's yeah something I liked a lot it's interesting because Olivia's the main character of the show, we learn as we go through this episode. But in this mm-hmm. teaser, Quinn is framed as the main character. And also, yeah. like, throughout the episode, I would say they kind of have parallel plots. They are kind of each a protagonist in their own way. And it's smart, like, a lot of shows, mm-hmm. especially if they're about a workplace or something, they will start with a main character who's entering in for the first time because that's a really good excuse to introduce us, the audience, to the world. Like in Grey's Anatomy, they start with interns on their first day, so they get introduced to the hospital, and so do we. And so here we're starting with Quinn, who's joining this crisis management firm, so we get an explanation of how everything works through her eyes. 
But Mm -hmm. the other thing that the thought I just had based on what you said, which this is going to sound cheesy, I'm sorry, but we don't see Olivia herself in the teaser, but we see Olivia's reputation. And I don't know, that feels like almost more thematic to this show because it's all about like how people are viewed, not about what the truth is, but like what people think. So like finding out Olivia's reputation before actually meeting the real her, like I don't know, that feels on point for the theme. Yeah, I agree. I think it fits well. I feel like starting this show, even if you didn't, even like when it first aired, I guess Mm -hmm. because of how you knew it was going to be this vehicle for Carrie Washington, it's like you know that her name precedes her, and Mm -hmm. it's like the same thing with Olivia herself. Another thing I really enjoyed about the teaser is that it, I think it did a good job of establishing both Quinn and Harrison. You've got Harrison, who's kind of like aloof, just kind of doing his job sort of attitude. He's like on Mm -hmm. his phone, like Quinn is babbling at him, Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of like not super listening. He like asks her, what are you drinking? Um, As she's talking about how it she doesn't do blind dates and she's Mm -hmm. like I just came to tell you that I don't do this and he asks her again what she's drinking because it's a job interview he's like very direct and to the point and he like and then it also kind of is a contrast to the way Quinn is like babbling but also like they're both like holding their own decently well I feel like Mm -hmm. they both were talking really fast neither of them was like struggling to catch up with the other so like I feel like it also establishes they're both like very smart they're lawyers yeah um and like they're gonna have a good back and forth we can expect even though she's maybe out of her element like we can expect there's gonna be a good back and forth there also, I'm just now thinking, I'm sorry, everybody, all episode, I swear I'm going to be drawing meaningless, not meaningless, I'm going to be drawing comparisons to Grey's Anatomy just because, like, we are going through these Shonda shows. So I'm thinking now to how the teaser of Grey's Anatomy was also about, like, well, I guess they're not really on a date in this one in Scandal, but, like, the teaser yeah. of Grey's Anatomy was um, Meredith and Derek, like, a- after their one night stand. And I don't know, just that starting with a teaser of the guy and the girl and like vaguely flirty, but not exactly, but also talking about work. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. So that is our teaser. It was only two minutes long and a lot of information has already been conveyed. We, our next scene, we cut to two people in an elevator. And like, I mean, if you know anything about the show, you probably recognize that one of them is Carrie Washington. So she is Olivia Pope. I literally paused it here because uh, how fitting that we are discussing this show the week that The 100 just ended (laughs) and I'm in recovery because I paused it and I was like, what the heck is Marcus Kane doing on my screen? Dude, I can't believe I didn't recognize him. I think it's the accent that threw me off. Is he actually British in real life? I think he is because I thought his accent was bad. I'm looking it up. I saw the name in the credits and I was like, oh, that name sounds really familiar. I know him from somewhere, but I can't remember where. Okay, but you I... know what? He's Peruvian Scottish. What? That's what it says. <laughs> Pardon? Uh, um, but I don't, his accent was so, I couldn't tell what his accent was trying to be. Oh, it so sounded it British really to me. me off. It did sound British, but it sounded like it did sound British, but it, like, also slightly didn't. I was very lost. Well, yeah. Anyway, like, in retrospect, I can't believe I didn't recognize him. But, yeah, I think I think the accent just threw me. Anyway, it's Olivia, and it's a guy named Steven with her, mm-hmm. and he's British. 
they're already kind of in the midst of a conversation. They don't explain everything right off the bat, but we can, we just kind of catch up. We get little pieces at once. They say something about being $2 million short of what they need. So clearly they're like kind of talking about business, but then it's interspersed with a personal conversation. Um, Olivia's asking Steven, did you buy an engagement ring? And he's like, we have bigger problems than whether or not I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Yeah, he's like, we're going to die. I don't, <laughs> let's not talk about this now. So then they get out of the elevator and they're in like, I don't even know where they were. It was like a warehouse or like a garage or something. It was like a sketchy meeting place. And they go meet these intimidating Russian guys. And they're all like, do you have the money? That, I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> they're just trying to be intimidating. <laughs> and, okay. um, but um, as soon as she steps out of the elevator, Olivia's like, she's not scared at all. She's very much all business. She's taking power over the situation. They say, do you have the $6 million? And she says, no, we have $3 million. And then the Russians are like, well, you, you get us the other $3 million by tomorrow or whatever, or you don't get back what you want. But Olivia does not even flinch at that. She says, tell Oscar and Vlad, just take the $3 million and go leave for Russia. And they're like, what? We're not going to leave. We have the thing you want and you need to give us the rest of the money. And then she goes on this speech about how you should go to the airport right now and fly because your flight's in two hours. But in four hours, I've arranged it so that you will uh, be put on the no-fly list. And I think you're going to have a much better time with your $3 million safely in Russia than if you wait here and get nothing and get trapped and arrested. And she says it much more articulately than what I just said. <laughs> but basically, she makes this very badass, very prepared speech and they give in. Um, yeah, she, like, doesn't flinch. She's like, I've done this before. I know what's up. Yeah, and, like, the confidence, also the fact that, like, they set it up by telling us before she walks out that she does not have the agreed-upon amount of money. So, like, they put that doubt. They tell us that, like, she's showing up with less than what she's supposed to have, but she still goes out with that confidence, and she still intimidates these, like, criminals into taking less than what they demanded like that is impressive yeah it's also interesting to me now that I'm thinking about it that Steven was all like oh we're gonna get killed and I'm like you've been it seems like they've been working together long enough that he should know by now I had know? a feeling he was being like just like joking because like clearly if he thought they were gonna die he would have panicked a little bit more I think yeah. he was like oh we're gonna get killed it's just another Tuesday <laughs> yeah I, he's yeah Steven was interesting yeah, I, I don't quite know what to make of him, but we'll talk more about that yeah, later. Yeah, also, I wonder how long he lasts. I know that this was in 2012, yeah. but he is, of the characters, he is the only one I did not know who it was. So I'm not convinced he's going to be I mean, around for much Also, longer. he is on The 100, which started in, like, 2014, so he can't yeah. be on this for more than a couple of years. Anyway, so then she... Olivia, she gets them to accept, and she says, we're going to take what we paid for, and it's a cardboard box. And she picks it up, and they walk out. So I don't know about you, but I was like, okay, I wonder what's in the box. It seems like it's going to be important. Maybe it's files. Maybe it's, like, secret yeah, I assumed it was paper evidence. Or but <laughs> note that box for later. So then we cut back to um, Quinn and Harrison, and he takes Quinn to Olivia's office, to their headquarters. Um, and it's late at night, but he is still bringing her in for, like, a tour late at night. And he introduces the whole team, very much rapid fire. He introduces each of them to Quinn and to the audience as we walk through the headquarters. So we have Huck, 
who is the tech guy, and he used to be part of the CIA, but he says, don't ask about it. We have Steven, who is a litigator. We have Abby, who is an investigator. And then we have Olivia herself. So then we kind of walk into the main room, and we see that Olivia is back. It's right after that previous scene. She has come back after the success. As they're walking in, Quinn says to Harrison, like, I have to meet her right now. Like, what's she going to think of me? And then he says, he's going to say, she's going to say that you have too much cleavage. And then as soon as Olivia sees Quinn, she says, too much cleavage. Rip. Yeah, so it's funny. And also it sets up the idea that I guess the other staff know Olivia very well. Quinn immediately, like, starts trying to suck up to Olivia, but, like, she just kind of brushes it off. Then they start explaining what they do there, which is important for the audience because we don't really know yet. Um, They say, we're lawyers, but we're not a law firm. We are a crisis management firm. We solve problems, manage crises, and save reputations. And then, like, a couple of people come in, the clients that they were just working for on this previous case, and they go, oh, my God, like, you you got it, or... And then Olivia reaches into the box, the cardboard box, and pulls out a baby. I was like, what did they steal this man's baby for? I had to rewind it because I thought I missed something. I was like, was that really a baby in the box? <laughs> yeah. I was like, those rush, those mobsters really took a baby from someone. And I was like, what on earth? Okay, it wasn't so much like that it was a kidnapping that surprised me. Like, that makes sense, like kidnappings yeah, for like, ransoms. Yeah. It was that they had the baby in a cardboard box. No noise was made. Out. No noise. There, like, I mean, I guess there was maybe a small hole for the baby to breathe, but it wasn't like, like, it was a closed box. And the other yeah. thing that got me was, like, they carried the damn baby back to the headquarters in that box. Like, whatever if the mobsters put the baby in a box. But Olivia and Steven kept the baby in a box. Well, actually, I guess that also kind of is, like, (laughs) Olivia and her colleagues don't really have lives outside of this. So, like, they would, what are they going to do with a baby? They don't have the things to keep a baby. They have to keep it in a box. And didn't she say something, like, didn't she say something, like, to Quinn about, like, like, does your experience include, like, knowing how to change a diaper or something, yeah, like, as she picks it that's up? that's what happens as she picks the baby yeah. out of the box. Yeah. So, like, I guess they just really don't know what to do with babies. But I would think even basic instincts could tell you to take the baby out of a cardboard box and put it, like, somewhere more comfortable. Yeah, I don't, yeah, at this, I'm, like, thinking now about the, how their place was laid out. And it's, like, I don't even know where they would put a baby. Because, like, they can't put it on a couch. I feel like I would off. trust Huck to take care yeah. of the baby <laughs> out of all those people. I with Huck. <laughs> But anyway, we're getting off track. Like, it's it's not even an important aspect of the episode. It's honestly just a very funny and shocking moment. And, like, it plays that way. It plays as shocking. And then, like, so she picks up the baby, and then the clients come in. They give the baby back to it's some ambassador who his baby got kidnapped. And the parents are very, very grateful. And Olivia's like, you know, thank you. We We did the job. Now you go home and you never tell anyone that any of this happened. Because the FBI is sick of me. Yeah, so, like, we get the sense of, like, their work is all about, like, getting the results that they need for their client, but keeping everything a secret because maybe they don't do things in a super legal way, or maybe the things they do, like, if they got out would be even worse. So, like, it's all about this secrecy. So, yeah, so then there's, like, a tiny, tiny moment of celebration for the team. They did a good job. It's very late at night. Then another job comes in in about five seconds. Um, this guy staggers into the office covered in blood. <laughs> and they're like, it's after hours. We can't take you on. And then he says, my girlfriend is dead and the police think I killed her. 
and then they're like, okay, I guess we'll take it off. <laughs> I guess we're staying all night. And then that's the, the end of the act, I believe. So that's a lot has happened already. My goodness. It's still, it's like we're getting so much information and learning so much. Um, and it, it's been like 10 minutes at this point. Like, it's a lot, but I wasn't overwhelmed, you know? Mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed because I was trying to write it all down, but I think if I had just been watching, then I would have, it would have not felt stressful. I think I would have just rolled with it. Yeah, I definitely didn't have to pause this as much as Grey's Anatomy, but that's because when I'm not the one leading the discussion, my notes aren't as detailed. Yeah, yeah. If you guys have not already picked up on this, we take turns being the one who is responsible for the the note-taking and the research more so. So we each have our, our turns where we have to get stressed out about writing things down, and then when we can sit back and relax a little bit more. So now we come back. We come back from commercial, and we meet who our new client is. We get all the information about him and his case in a very rapid fire explanation. He is Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan. He had a last name. I think it was Sullivan St. James. James. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't write that down. His nickname is Sully. He's 32. He's an Iraq vet and he's a very famous war hero. He also was apparently 2010 sexiest man alive. And I have to say, I don't agree. Um, he's, but he's good looking, he's like, but not but sexiest not the man alive. Sexiest man alive. Yeah, but yeah, so he's like this sexy conservative poster boy. He is very much for like far right causes, and he's also sort of like a glamorous personality who speaks up for those causes. Abby, who's the investigator and is giving this information, throws in a little bit of commentary about how she hates him and everything he stands for. So <laughs> we get a little tinge of that. Then we meet uh, his dead, we don't meet, we learn about his dead girlfriend, <laughs> whose name is Paige Montgomery. She was 27 and was a rich girl from a good family. Uh, she was found in the apartment with three shots to her head. Sully says he called 911, but then he freaked out and fled before the police got there, which sounds kind of suspicious. So then our next bit is um, we have the team interviewing Sully to get his side of the story, and it's kind of intercut with Olivia giving some explanations like to Quinn and also to the audience of why they do everything the way that they do. So it's kind of like showing us how it works as they go through it. This scene to me felt kind of parallel to the scene of Bailey explaining the rules to the interns. Uh Uh-huh. I thought the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's funny like as I'm watching this I'm like oh I feel like I'm learning how to write a Shonda Rhimes pilot because like these same structural elements are coming in. This is also interesting because I think there's a similar scene like that in How to Get Away with Murder, and Shonda didn't even write that one. Well, I mean, at this point, I guess her, like, her brand and her, her brand. template was so strong. Shonda mm-hmm. Land, it existed, so whoever whoever wrote it, I will... It's like Peter Nowak, I think. Um, he clearly learned from the best. Yes. So anyway, she's explaining, like, she's interviewing Sully and also explaining why they do what they do at the same time. So Sully talks about how he was going to propose to Paige... Uh, and he's, like, still in shock. He was like, I was holding her. I So that's why I have blood all over me, because I found her dead, and then I was holding her. I called the police, but then I panicked, and I ran away. He says his alibi is that he was at the pub before. He did not have a handgun uh, in the house. He says it was not his gun. And then we were also kind of intercut with, like, the team debating about whether or not they think he really did it because obviously if they think he did it it's not really a good idea for them to take on the case and one of them I forget who said what but someone's like 
he's not concerned about who did it. He's not asking who did it. So, like, doesn't that make him seem guilty? And then Steven or somebody uh, fires back, like, he's a soldier. He should know how to kill better than this, like, without being so sloppy. So if he really did do it, like, he wouldn't come here all covered in blood. That's valid. Yeah, and then Harrison says he votes no. He doesn't want to take it on because it's a media hand grenade. Abby votes no because she says it's too messy and also she hates Republicans. She says that straight out. <laughs> and then they turn to Olivia. Uh, she gives the speech about, I vote with my gut because my gut always knows what is right. Uh, and then she says, yes, we're going to take it on. And then they go, why do we even bother voting? Yeah. <laughs> and then I love this because um, Stephen, Stephen asks why yeah. do we even bother voting and Olivia's like, you're pretty and smart so pretty. so pretty so smart, so smart. <laughs> i love that too yeah they establish olivia as like clearly a badass clearly good at her job but also infuse her with these like very human and friendly moments in between it so that we mm -hmm. don't she doesn't come off as like like mean or strict or like distant or anything like that she still still clearly is a very good friend to her staff i feel like it would have been really easy to make her super mm -hmm. unlikable like kind of just a bitch because you kind of get that vibe especially with like women that are in charge of things they mm -hmm. sometimes like especially on tv they sometimes like are only the woman in charge and yeah. super annoying it's like Bailey it. in Grey's Anatomy they call her the Nazi and like mm -hmm. Izzy even like lampshades that she's like maybe she just gets called the Nazi because she's a woman in charge of things I feel like Shonda does a good job of taking characters that you would probably hate. I feel like the way that she does it is that is she doesn't want you to hate them um, and like kind of spinning it yeah. on its head which I like. What I like is like she doesn't shy away from some of the negative qualities yeah. but she also infuses the positive qualities and makes them feel very whole and very human. She doesn't mm -hmm. let them be just the negative qualities or the negative stereotypes. She infuses them with these little human moments like teasing the coworkers, yeah, or like you know liking popcorn and like actually makes them feel like three-dimensional people so even if you hate them sometimes for some things that they do which you should feel that way towards a good character like you mm -hmm. aren't always going to like them but you also see those human moments and you also like them in other moments. Yeah, I feel like if another, like some with some other writers, this could have been very one note and different. Yeah. yeah, so then Olivia goes back into Sully and tells him, yes, we've decided to take your case, but then there are rules. Again, she sets these rules that we can tell because we've watched Grey's Anatomy. These rules are going to be our guidelines of what's about to happen in the story. The rules that she sets up are going to be broken inevitably because mm -hmm. that's how the story happens. So she tells Silly, you have to stay in this office, no contact with anyone, and whatever you do, do not lie to me again. Is that understood? And he says, okay. And then she says, is there anything else you want to tell me? And he says, no. He says, I told you everything. He says, I loved Paige. She was my best friend. He, yeah, he, he says, I loved her. Yeah. She was my best friend. I did not kill her. Yeah. That's what he repeats over and over throughout the episode. Yeah, I was very, I was very interested in that because I feel like with some men, they won't necessarily say their partner is their best friend. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I hear that a lot more from women. Anyway, we're not going to unpack that just yet, <laughs> but... Yeah, so now they've taken on the case, and now we have to see how they work when they get a new case. So it's very much like 
zero to 60 or zero to like 200 honestly all of the people besides Quinn basically everybody else knows what they have to do so they all very much go into action right away we see Olivia goes to um, the attorney's house his personal home and it's the middle of the night and she wakes him up and he's very grumpy but like he clearly knows her they clearly have a relationship that goes way back did um, they say his name because I, I don't I knew remember it already I knew it already just from Oh, I didn't write it bit. down, so I don't, maybe they said it, but it was brief. Yeah, it's David, um, Okay, for well, the record. Yeah, I guess his name is David. Anyway, she goes to his house, and he's like, ugh, like, what are, why are you here? He's like, can't you wait till the morning? And she says, uh, I need you to give me a 48-hour delay before you uh, charge or arrest uh, Sully St. James. And then he says, you're annoying, but you have no muscle of the White House behind you anymore. And so that gives us a hint of she used to work for the White House. Um, that's the first time we find that out. But she just kind of keeps pressing and she says, think about all the blowback, you know, if you prosecute this beloved war vet and he's like, oh, you know, whatever, we're still gonna, we're still gonna arrest him. And then she says, my gut tells me that he didn't do it. Um, and then she threatens to have the media like bring reporters to his house right now and keep him awake if he doesn't agree to delay. And then she kind of negotiates with him uh, up to a 24-hour delay. That's not what she came in asking for, but she seems pretty satisfied. So you get the sense of, like, she asked for 48 knowing she was going to get 24. So then we have our deadline. We have our uh, 20, 24 hours that we have to try and uh, prove that he's innocent before the police will come and arrest him. And I wrote down that that is also like Grey's Anatomy, where we have the 48-hour shift to get through. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Lots of things in common between these two pilots. Then we cut to Abby doing her thing. She has gone to the scene of the crime, to Sully's apartment. She talks her way past Wally, who I guess is like the crime scene watchman guy from the police. I don't really know the title of what you would call that. I don't know. I thought he was a detective. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's somebody from the police who's, like, watching over the crime scene, basically. And they also, again, clearly have a past between them. Um, I loved her. She was, like, she, like, asks about his wife and because she's apparently, like, six months pregnant. And then she goes, does she know about the stripper? Yeah, just very casual blackmail. Mm -hmm. So clearly they've, again, they've clearly been through this before. Like, clearly Olivia's whole team has done this dance with the police before and you know they get through it so she then she gets through and then she takes pictures of the crime scene pictures of the body pictures of the murder weapon um she gets all that evidence then uh we have a brief scene where they're at the headquarters it's kind of harrison explaining things to quinn they're like hanging up the pictures already that abby was getting everything's happening very fast and he explains again, like, we're not a law firm because we do things that are outside the law. We don't play by those rules. We want to stop things before they go to court. It's not about justice. It's about our client. So they already, they're taking a lot of care to clarify for the audience that this episode is not going to end with finding out who did it. It's just going to end with trying to prove that Sully's innocent. They don't care who actually did the crime. All they care is that their client gets away. And then we see Steven doing his little shift. Um, he's gone to the morgue and uh, he's talking to like the morgue, t- the mortician. mortician? Yeah. yeah. Um, like the morgue person uh, whose name is Lisa. And apparently he has slept with her in the past and did not call her. Um, and she's annoyed about that. 
and he's like, oh, you know, like, I would, I would still love to sleep with you again, if not for the fact that I'm getting married to a wonderful woman named Georgia. <laughs> um, and so we, f- we find out about a little more about his girlfriend, and that yeah, that's kind of annoyed, but she still gives in and she lets him come and look at the body. Um, and also she agrees to fast track the autopsy. Yes. Um, I would also like to note that they apparently did it in the freezer at the morgue. <laughs> yeah, uh, that does not seem like it would be a fun place to No, It would be so cold. Oh my God. It sounds <laughs> awful. Also, cold and like dead bodies dead around. Bodies. I... And... Okay, this sounds stupid compared to the dead bodies thing, but walk-in freezers freak me out because the doors are so heavy. I get so scared of being locked inside. Yeah, I had the same thing um, because I used to work in um, dining services. Yeah, same. And anytime I had to go go in the freezer, freezer, I I got so scared. And it was funny because when I was a student supervisor, and then all of the freshmen had to like, I had to take them into the freezer for the first time. They would be like, "What? What?" And I was like, it's not going to lock, even though, like, in my brain, I was still like, it's going to lock. Same, same. The fridge was not so bad, because from the fridge, you could still see the outside. But the Mm -hmm. freezer, that was scary. Scary. I'd get a coat. I'd put my coat on to go into freezer. Yeah. So um, we would say freezer sex, not at the top of our list. So then, yeah, they're like, they're back at headquarters pulling all their information together. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to work all night. We're gladiators. We don't have personal lives. But, like, they're all pretty jazzed about it. They're, like, hanging the evidence on the wall again, putting it all together. And uh, Olivia just looks at it all, and she goes, we need more. Like, she just flat out right away, we need more. And they're all like, but we have so much. Yeah, I liked that shot of, like, when she, when she said that, because they're all kind of, like, behind her, and then she's standing there. Yeah. kind of in the middle, like, looking at the wall. Yeah, looking at the huge wall of everything mm-hmm. they found in, like, however many hours. And she just goes, we need more. And then the others are, like, not not discouraged, but, like, they're a little bit dismissive. They're like, oh, Sully probably killed her. Then they basically say, like, if he killed her, you know, then there's going to be a motive. So we have to look for a motive that somebody else might have, you know, if someone else was going to kill her. So that is the, our next goal that we have to look for is a motive. But we have a scene after this. Olivia gets called to this, like, the next morning. She gets called to a meeting at the White House. Sorry, there's this guy. You might know what his name was. I have no idea what this guy's name was, so I just called him Guy the whole episode. His name is Cyrus. His name okay, is Cyrus. Cyrus? Mm-hmm. I don't think they said that, for the record. I think they um, might have said Psy, like, very oh. at, very late at the end. Maybe. But his name is Cyrus. Okay, what's his actual job? Is he, like, aide to the president or something? I think so. That wasn't clear okay. to me. It's clearly, he works with the president and, like, is kind of like a go-between for the president. So anyway, this guy, Cyrus, is talking to Olivia. He asked her to meet. She asks him if he'll keep quiet about Sully. Um, And he's like, sure, you know, whatever, I trust your gut. And she's like, well, that's not why you wanted to talk to me, is it? Cyrus says he needs a favor. And he says he, like, it's this big term. So, like, I, at this point, I was kind of guessing it's the president, um, which it is. And Olivia says, I don't work for him anymore. And Cyrus says, but you came when I called. So clearly, like, even though she doesn't work for him anymore, clearly there's something a little bit unfinished there Uh, and then cyrus says that apparently there is an aide who is saying that the president slept with her um and sexually harassed her and he wants olivia to shut it all down olivia says well if you want me to even consider this then i need to see him 
Um, I need to like look in his eyes and decide if he's lying based on my gut. Um, and then he's like, he's the president. He doesn't have time to meet with you. And then she says, you tell the president of the United States that he has to make time. And that's the line she gets to end the scene on. And it's like, how many people can say that? Wow. Like maybe two. I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, I, it's so badass. <laughs> also, I would like to name the terrible green screen from the scene. <laughs> Did you notice that? I wasn't, I was trying so hard to take notes. I didn't really notice. I'm going to be yeah. honest. They were, I just like, I could like see her head kind of poking in where it was, like as like the, oh, the White sad. House in the background. And that's I was like, sad. Oh, no. It was a mid-season replacement. They didn't have, have time, I guess, for a location shoot or a better green screen. Uh, anyway, then that's actually our next act break. Um, that's a really badass line to go out on. You tell the president Amazing. he has to make Amazing. time. Yeah. And so, then it cuts to commercial. Wow. Yeah. If I were watching this when it first aired, I would have been like, yeah I like so yeah they've done a really really good job of showing us how much clout Olivia has in just this first part of the episode and like we've seen she's good at her job we've seen other people respect her we've seen the president really wants her and like and this is just the beginning so now we're waiting to see like what else is going to happen now that she's such an impressive character like what's going to happen when she really lets loose so when we come back, we're, we're back at the headquarters briefly. Um, Olivia is prepping to go meet the president at Camp David. The others uh, point out that he's trying to win her back to work at the White House again. And she's just kind of like, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to go back. Like, don't worry. Stephen uh, talks to Olivia again. He uh, wants her help to talk him into proposing or maybe out of it no into it no out no in and he keeps waffling and she's kind of like you know she's ready to do whatever he needs she's just mm-hmm. waiting for him to give an answer so that she can help him um and then she gives him this little pep talk she goes like normal people get married like marriage is great blah 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 normal people get married and then he says you won't even date though and olivia says i'm not normal yeah and we're yeah, yeah we're really gonna see why soon I mean, yeah. like, we've already sort of seen, but we're really going to see. <laughs> yeah. Quinn, she's excited. She goes to Harrison because she found something in Paige's email. This is, like, the first thing she's discovered while working yeah. for Olivia. So she's all happy. She's like, look, Paige was supposed to be at an embassy party on the night of the murder. And then he's like, well, you know, why didn't she go then? And Quinn says, I don't know. And then he says, I don't know does not exist in Olivia's world you cannot go up to Olivia and say you don't know so go find out why yeah so now Quinn kind of has a little quest of something to do we cut right from there to uh she was supposed to go with like a friend and then we have Abby interviewing that friend this friend Ariel says that Paige canceled on her but she doesn't know why um, and then she kind of gets starts getting emotional. She was like, Paige really loved Sully. She used to be a party girl, but then she settled down with him. She really loves him. And then Abby's like, okay, cut the crap. Like, y- I know you're crying to avoid telling me something. So, like, what are you not telling me? And then we go to Olivia at Camp David meeting the president. She, at first, like, she's kind of just schmoozing with the other staff. We don't see the president right away, but we get to see her interact with these people that were her co-workers um, when she worked on the campaign. And, you know, she's clearly friendly with the rest of them. One of them, Melly, I forget exactly what her job was. Melly's his wife. Oh, she's the first lady? Yeah. Okay, I did not put that together. 
Okay, anyway, Millie, the first lady, um, is, like, trying to set Olivia up with somebody, and she's like, no, because, again, she's like, I'm not normal, I don't date. And then the president walks in. And he calls her Livy. Yeah, oh, I did not, I didn't <laughs> notice that, but oof, oof. He's, like, a charming guy, like, a, like, maybe middle-aged white guy, like, not super old. He seems very friendly whatever like a pretty typical stock president character yeah he um he he yeah he felt very presidential slash looks trustworthy yeah it's like he's he's very much like a stock politician character like a clean-shaven white guy with a face you can trust like (laughs) you'd go get a beer with him yeah, you'd go get a beer with him. So then he and a few others of, like, his core crew, they all go out for a walk in the woods while he fills in Olivia on, like, his side of the situation. The aide is Amanda Tanner, who is 27. She is saying that the president slept with her. If they fire her at this point, it would be a mess because it would just make them look bad. So they can't do that. They want Olivia to convince Amanda to stop before she tells anybody, basically. And Olivia like asks him like you know she looks in his eyes she's like please tell me if you did this or not is it true and then he looks her in the eyes and he says no I did not do it I love my wife I have no reason to cheat (laughs) (laughs) significant pause now that I've seen the rest of the episode (laughs) is this also where he says you know there's only one person I love and then I wrote down and I don't think he's referring to his wife because then right after it Cyrus is like Melly and Fitz are happy together live which made it seem less convincing i sensed that he was lying probably like i sensed that he was probably lying and that she even felt conflicted about it but i didn't you know once you see what happens later in the episode it's you know more painful but anyway she decides to trust him and she says okay consider it handled he at that point does invite her to work for him again but she declines like she's willing to do this favor for him because of you know their past relationship or whatever but she does not want to go back to work in the white house so this is like interesting like already halfway through the first episode our protagonist has like clearly some thing going on with the president like he very much wants her to come back and work for him and she has some conflicted feelings about it clearly but really doesn't want to go back and then it makes you wonder like working for the white house seems like it would be a pretty good job why did she leave and why does she not want to go back? We go back to headquarters. Olivia comes back and uh, we find out they're waiting for the, the results from the murder weapon to come back um, and find out uh, if there are fingerprints on it. And then Abby comes in with news uh, that she got from Ariel, the friend. Paige apparently canceled on the party because she was going to meet a guy called Tom Henderson who she was having an affair with. So that is their new suspect. Yes, um, and she also runs in and shouts. She runs in shouting, woohoo, Paige yeah. is a whore. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, then, like, Olivia's like, okay, good, keep following up on that. And then she just grabs Quinn and she's like, Quinn, come with me. And Quinn's like, okay, but she's clearly very overwhelmed and confused because Olivia has not really interacted with her very much other than saying she had too much cleavage. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still, Quinn has been there for like a few hours since her initial job offer in the bar. And so she's definitely got to be still overwhelmed at this point. She's not gone home and slept. She 
didn't even know she was going to get this job at the beginning of the last night, and now she's in the middle of a case, and now she's being pulled aside by Olivia for who knows what and not told what is going on. So that must be very overwhelming. But then Olivia uh, takes Quinn with her, and they go out to this park, and basically Olivia's leading the way, clearly has not told Quinn what's going on, and says, you are here as a witness, do not say anything, (laughs) which is very ominous. (laughs) So Olivia goes and sits on a bench next to this woman who we find out is Amanda, is the um, accuser of the president. And it's Liza Whale. Yeah. Who we know from Gilmore Girls, technically, well, she was not in the pilot, but she is a series. She's in basically every episode of Gilmore Girls besides the pilot. (laughs) She's Paris. Um, She's also on some other Shonda Rhimes shows as well. Anyway, um, she's playing Amanda Tanner. And she's sitting on this bench and just kind of, like, sitting with her dog. And Olivia just kind of comes, sits down next to her and is like, oh, like, do you know what's going to happen if you tell the truth or about this or something? And then Amanda's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> she's, she doesn't know what's going on. And then Olivia introduces herself and then basically says, like, I'm just here to give you some warnings of what might happen if you go public with this. You will lose your job. You'll never be able to work in this town again. Your private life will become public. You will become associated with a sex scandal for the rest of your life. Everyone will pick apart everything about your life. And then she starts listing these examples of things from Amanda's life that she has already found out. Like, uh, I, I didn't write them all down, but she was, like, listing details about, like, your family and, like, they'll know that you did this. They'll know that you did that. And, like, basically demonstrating like the terror of all of that stuff becoming public and like Amanda's clearly very rattled by this she did not she was just walking her dog she did not expect this so Amanda's clearly like very overwhelmed she's like I but I it's like true he told me he loved me he gave me this dog (laughs) wild to me Okay, I'm not a dog person in the first place, but giving someone a dog as a gift seems like a very odd thing to me. I don't, it's just like, it's a present that creates so much extra work. I, that's why I've never I mean, understood. clearly she's happy with it. So like, yeah. I guess maybe they talked about it, but it's so odd to me. It's like, here's a thing you have to take care of. Enjoy. And it's, and it's like a golden retriever and they're like <laughs> that's high a big dog. energy as well. Yeah. So... Anyway, Olivia just like kind of keeps talking. She does not give this girl a break. She says, my free advice to you is I think you should move away, start a new life, you know, have a new name, new job, just go far away from here before any of this comes out. And then you'll probably be much happier. And then Amanda is just overwhelmed. She starts crying. She goes, why are you doing this to me? I'm a good person. I don't understand why you're threatening me like this. And then she like runs away crying because that's very overwhelming. And then Olivia just kind of turns to Quinn and says, there you go. Now, if you get subpoenaed, you can say that I did not blackmail or threaten her. And if you don't get subpoenaed, then this never happened. Then she like opens her phone and she says, it's handled. And then that's the end of the act break. Yeah. So that's our I first so like. excited for the first yeah. it's handled. It's definitely this scene I think is juicy because it's fun to see Olivia do her job well, but it's also the first moment where we maybe start to not like her as much because we've seen her kind of break this girl who seems, as far as we can tell, seems like a kind of nice girl and didn't necessarily ask for this. And now she's very upset. And we can see Quinn also feels conflicted at having witnessed that. So it's the first moment where we, we might feel 
conflicted about rooting for Olivia. Not necessarily mm -hmm. think she's evil, but just be like, whoa, how did you feel about that scene? I feel like I wasn't that phased by it, and I feel like that's just because I knew what this was going into it more so <laughs> it's like I knew that this is kind of like the thing that people hired her to do and also mm -hmm. we've been getting the clues all episode like we fix things it's about mm -hmm. our client and mm -hmm. it's pretty clear if they've made it fairly clear that they go about that and not necessarily always the nicest means but this I feel like this one has a bit more gravity to it just because you're like really like, the stuff that the other people have done so far in the episode mm -hmm. is, like, fairly low stakes. This one, I think, hit home a bit more because the girl is so young. I feel like, and I feel like the other reason is this girl, I, this is, this is slightly spoiling the episode then, but I feel like it's part of, I think it's okay. I feel like it's part of that thing of Olivia's really trusting her gut with mm -hmm. the president, and I think that you can... Um, we're also we're about to see that she is like wanting to trust him and I think yeah. it's like I think that that is part of the reason I think you yeah can, that she was so aggressive about this particular thing yeah and it's interesting because it creates a natural it makes this a naturally like morally gray feeling situation because like on the one hand, you want to, like, believe a woman who is a victim in this situation or is saying she's a victim, but she is someone who is a stranger to Olivia and to us, but Olivia knows the president, has a relationship there, and, you know, wants to believe he's a good person who would not have done that. Yeah. So her sympathies lie more with the president, um, and maybe, you know, she's more inclined to believe he's telling the truth because she knows him. But, like, for the audience and for Quinn who are just coming into this not knowing either person perhaps the sympathies would naturally lie with Amanda yeah. so it creates an interesting conflict there and we don't know who's telling the truth at this point but we do know it's Olivia's job to handle it and she has done that yes <laughs> and I don't think like I didn't like dislike Olivia at this I I just it was an interesting scene to me because it was the first time like every other scene had framed her as just, like, unconditional badass. This was the first time I felt like the story was asking us to question her a little bit. Not hate yeah. her, but, like, question her. Then we come back, and the next scene is Quinn is crying in the women's room. And then Huck comes in, and he's like, are you crying in there? And she goes, this is the women's room. Why are you in here? <laughs> and he doesn't really answer. Uh, yeah. And he just says, Olivia doesn't believe in crying. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing. I really enjoyed this scene. I Yeah, this might have been my favorite scene of the episode, actually. I think I just really like Huck. So then Quinn kind of walks out and, like, she's crying. You can see she's kind of broken by the fact that it's been, like, almost 24 hours since her blind date with Harrison. She probably hasn't slept in almost 36 hours, and she did not know that was what she was in for when she woke up yesterday. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like this woman that she looks, she has so looked up to did something yeah. that was, was like, being She's, yeah, baby. she's been on this whole roller coaster of, like, she got this dream job given to her totally unexpectedly, started right away, worked all night, and now has seen her idol do something she maybe doesn't totally morally agree with. Yeah. So she is very much emotional and crying, and she's like, why, why did she even hire me in the first place? She never really got a straight answer about why she was hired. And then Huck gives this really nice speech. He says... He says she hired you because you worship her 
and then you took this job because you wanted something greater, you wanted a higher purpose, you wanted to feel like you were doing something that mattered. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but he does this whole speech about like, yeah. you wanted to know there was something more than just a boring nine to five. You wanted to feel like you were doing something real. I wrote the end of it down. I wrote, yeah. Olivia Pope fixes things. You need fixing. Everyone in this office needs fixing. You're a stray dog and Olivia took you in. Don't question it. No crying. We don't cry ever. I liked it because not only is it a good speech, but because we already had gotten hints this episode and we continued to get more after this of some of the ways the other people in the office like needed fixing, most notably yeah. Steven. Steven's yeah. the one that's mm -hmm. most obvious in this episode, but we, we do, did get that sense of like, she really cares about her staff and takes on their problems as well. Mm -hmm. Like she not only handles the client's crisis, but she also handles the crisis, the crises of her staff. Probably um, to ignore her own problems. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure she's got some damage to unpack. I'm very sure of that. But, like, it seems like she's, like, very much a good boss, a good co-worker, and a good friend. Yeah. Through it all. So, so yeah. So, that's a really sweet scene. I liked Huck. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, not in very much. Um, I yeah. know, I don't know too, too much about him, but I know enough to know that he's, like, he I that like he seems very like rough around the edges but then he'll say things like this and you're just yeah. like oh and uh. we still never got an answer of why he was in the women's room <laughs> <laughs> so then our our next scene is we have Olivia calls the president and she just says did you buy her a dog and he's like what uh and he's on tv also at this point like she's mm -hmm. watching him on tv as she's calling him um and she says did you buy her a dog? And then she asks him to turn to the side so that he's looking more into the TV camera <laughs> so she could see his face. And he says, no, I did not buy her a dog. And she looks in his eyes and you can tell she looks a little conflicted. Yeah. And she goes like, okay. And she hangs up. But like, you can tell that she's upset about something. Like, they do a really good job of first showing us how confident she is with the Sully case, like almost so confident she like doesn't even have to be that much on it. She yeah. lets her staff handle it. But then when she's with the president, we see her, I mean, she's still putting up a confident front, but we can tell it's different. Like we've and seen I, enough to already tell. Yeah. And I think that had she asked that in person, like she wouldn't have been able to like kind of get teary eyed in the way that yeah. she did since he was just on the phone. But then Abby comes in with more news and she says like, she was like, there's good, there's bad news and there's ugly news. And she's like, the bad news is that Tom Henderson has an alibi. And then the ugly news is that apparently Sully had a motive because apparently he knew that Paige was cheating on him. Yes. Which is a big fat motive <laughs> right there. And they also just found out that the gun has Sully's prints on it. Yes. Um, and Olivia, when she hears this, the motive thing she is pissed and she marches right into the other room where Sully's still sitting he's been sitting there alone all night <laughs> like staring into space like oh yeah she storms in and she goes did you know about the affair and he like tries to dodge it at first and she's like no 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 tell me did you know about the affair and then he finally admits yes he did but he's like, I, I knew she had an affair, but she slept around before. Like, that that wasn't news to me. That's not, I didn't kill her. And then she says, your prints were on the gun. Why was that? And he says, I, I picked the gun up afterwards, which is so stupid. Can I just Don't... say, if he's a soldier, yeah, a war hero. <laughs> I was like, are you dumb? Um, 
to give him maybe a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, he, I think he was overwhelmed in the moment. Yeah. Oh, no, I would be overwhelmed too. And I understand the touching her body and getting the blood. I even understand the panicking and running away before the police got there. But the picking up thing? the gun, no, that, that, is just, that, so that is just plain stupid. So stupid, sir. Oh, sir. Okay. This episode, it's not about that. It's not a it's not a crime investigation show, but that was oh my god, dude, that's so dumb. It's like I don't even really watch crime shows and I know that. That's like the most obvious thing in the world. Don't if you walk in and see a murder weapon on the ground, don't pick it up. Um, anyway. But he he's like he's like, Yeah, those are the explanations. I'm like, I'm sorry that I lied or whatever. He actually doesn't say he's sorry that he lied. No. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making that up. He um, He just says, I didn't do it. And then he repeats his little mantra again. He says, I loved her. She was my best friend. I did not kill her. Um, and by this point, he's said it several times throughout the episode in exactly the same way. So, like, that's when I first clocked. Hmm, that's a little bit weird. I also clocked, I didn't, I wasn't clocking the best friend thing at this point. I clocked Olivia's face when he yeah. said it. And it was, yeah. she. The, I didn't know what it was. At first, I, like, wrote that she seems doubtful about something or, mm-hmm. like, or, but ne- now I'm like, oh, there's something going on in her, in her brain. Yeah. She's like, the gears are turning. That's what her face looked like. But yeah. she doesn't say anything else. She just is like, okay, I believe you and leaves. Yeah. Also, like, just to, like, point out something else this pilot's doing well, like, having something repeated like that brought up repeatedly at different points throughout the episode is a really good way of establishing foreshadowing for something that's going to come later. Like, it's a very easy and simple way to set something up as becoming important because it doesn't strike you very much the first time. It strikes you a little bit more the second time. And then when it comes back a third time, um, you're like, oh, like there's the, everything's coming together. It's very impressive. So that's like a good tip I noticed from this episode. Like you can give something significance by just having it be repeated. Yeah. So anyway, Olivia still agrees to stick with it. Like she's clearly pissed off at him and she's like, don't, lie again but she's still doing it like she took on the client she's going to see it through so she orders the team to go and find an alibi for Sully and then Huck comes in and he has this little box that he hands to Olivia he's like I got what you asked for and she's like yes thank you and then she takes Stephen in the other room it seems like it's something very very serious going on and then she opens the box and it's a bunch of like 10 engagement rings and she says pick one I love that she literally planned his whole engagement for him. Oh my him. god. He really needed his handheld throughout the whole thing. <laughs> she was like, we've got, I've got you this table at yeah. this restaurant. Uh, yeah. George is going to meet you there. Uh, I was like, yeah. yeah, she literally planned the whole thing. Yeah, he really, like, this is a really good example of her fixing her employees. Like, he really, really needed help with this. He needed, like, four separate pep talks throughout the episode. And she literally got him rings and literally got the reservation. So she basically, she talks him into it again and makes him pick a ring and, you know, gets him ready to go. Then a lot starts happening all at once. Apparently, Amanda tries to come into the office and she's says she's quit her job like um olivia told her to but she has a message for the president she says can you like i quit my job please but can you please get this message to him and olivia's basically like no like fuck off go away (laughs) (laughs) she just she does not have time to deal with it and just kind of dismisses her really fast but also the attorney guy what was his name david david so he also shows up at the same time 
And he says, your 24 hours are up. I have a warrant for Sully. And so that's clearly the bigger problem for Olivia. Uh, and then but she's she like, says, I still have 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, she has 40 minutes left. And then he's like, Ugh, okay, I'll wait, your, I'll wait 40 minutes. And he waits right outside the doorway. And then Olivia's like, tell Abby that time is up. So then we cut to Abby is trying to find the alibi. She's out like on the streets. She's at the bar and apparently nobody actually saw Sully there at the bar. So that is bad. But they notice there's a security camera pointed right at the door from the bank that's next door. Mm -hmm. So then they go right in. They bring $500 in cash and a pizza to bribe the security guard. I love that. Yeah, he's like, well, you better get me a pizza too. Yeah, he's like, he's like, show it to me. And then I think it was Harrison had the pizza and he like cracked it open like a briefcase. And he was like, sausage, pepperoni, mushroom. (laughs) It was funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And then he's like, okay, I'll show you. I'll, I'll let you look at the footage. And then Abby like helps tell him where to look, what time. And they find a clip of Sully, and he's coming out of the bar at the time that he said, so that's his alibi. But also, he is walking down the street, and then he goes up to another man and kisses him. Yeah, but we don't see that yet. Oh, we don't. Okay, no. sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, they said, is that Sully? And I was like, oh, what's yeah. he doing? Um, yeah. I, like, I think my brain already was suspecting it but before it got revealed, so that's why... Yeah, whatever. Whatever. They saw Silly on the vid, the video, and uh, they get a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And then we cut right back to at the office. Olivia goes to Silly and says, we have your alibi. But she says it, like, dramatically. And then they show the part where he's actually kissing the guy. And that's why he kept saying, Paige was my best friend. Yeah. So Paige knew he was gay. Uh, she was his beard. Um, and that's why she slept around. And he was okay with it. Like, they had an yeah. arrangement of they would be married and she could do what she wanted, and he could do what he wanted, but they would publicly be married. And Olivia's like, look, I, I don't care. I'm not judging you, but I just need the name of the guy that you kissed, because then he's your witness. But then uh, Sully, he's clearly very conflicted, as you can imagine, being this Republican poster boy, but he's gay. He goes on this whole thing. He's like, I am a war hero. I'm a hero. I, I honor the uniform. I can't be gay. Um, and he's clearly very torn up about it. And Olivia yeah. tries to talk him into it. She's like, oh, it's it's 2013. Don't ask, don't tell is over. Like, it's okay to be gay. But he says, uh, no, I would, I would rather be arrested than come out. Which I have to, like, I know it gets changed later in the episode, but I'm like, really being arrested yeah, is more I'm... of an honoring the uniform than being gay. <laughs> in my notes, in my notes, I wrote down, bruh, you'd rather go to jail. And then... <laughs> And then I wrote next to it, wow, he really would rather go to jail. Okay. Yeah. I also wrote in this scene, I wrote, it's a little anvilicious, which is like, that's like the TV tropes word for when something's just like heavy handed with the morals. But also this was 2012. So like 2012, like, I guess these things hadn't really been said on TV a lot. So like it was, it was something that needed to be said. But I was like, this is very heavy handed. Like, she was like, it's okay to be gay. Live your truth. Yeah, it felt very (laughs) weird to watch now. Yeah. This scene specifically. I suspect it was like a little bit more like boundary pushing and radical at the time. Especially, I I feel like especially to have a character who was like a conservative character going through that Mm -hmm. was not so much seen on TV back in 2012. So... It was a little more juicy back then, but to watch it now, it's just like, 
why is this so dramatic like either he's like like, either he's gonna be closeted or or he's not but also I was like in 2020 as soon as that security footage happened like he would be outed like like it's not a it wouldn't be a question of is he gonna come out or not like he would just get outed because that's the world we live in now yeah anyway that's not important but like perspective changing so yeah, so then he walks out and lets himself be arrested because he would rather do that than come out. They say, like, we can't stop him. If he wants to walk out and be arrested, we, we, can't, we can't go against the client's wishes. But the team is going to go down to the station and still try and prove him innocent somehow. They're still going to fight for him. But Huck comes in and then tells Quinn, apparently Amanda is in the hospital and she tried to kill herself. And that, like... I've just processed this now. It was 40 minutes ago that she was at the, that she was there talking yeah. to them. So within the last 40 minutes, she went and she tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh my God. Oh, I didn't even clock that. Wow. I just now, as I was thinking it through, I was like, the last time we saw her was 40 minutes ago and now she's in the hospital. Oh. Uh, okay. Wow. So then the rest of the team goes down to the police station um, and they're like, could we leak the alibi, like pretend somebody else found it out and then like, like have it get out. But then they're like, no, we can't go again against our client's wishes, but they're, you know, still trying to like, Olivia has to go. She gets called away, but she tells the rest of them, like, try and talk to Sully, try and try and convince him basically. But also Steven has to leave as well because he has to go to dinner to propose. Abby didn't look happy about it. Yeah. So then Quinn has gone to the hospital to see Amanda, and then Olivia joins her. And Quinn says, don't worry, Amanda hasn't spoken with anyone besides me. She says to Olivia, my gut says that Amanda is telling the truth, because when she was telling the story about the president, she put in so many details, and, like, she talked about a room off of the Oval Office, and it's real, I've read about it. And then Olivia was like, well, if you've read about it, she could have read about it, too, (laughs) which is a good point. That's a good point. But still, like, Quinn is like... She, she tried to hurt herself, but she wasn't actually trying to kill herself. She just wanted to hurt herself to see if the president would come see her. And she was like, she was so distressed and she wanted him to come and call her sweet baby. And then Olivia reacts to that. She goes, sweet baby? And Quinn's like, yeah, I think that's what she said. But clearly once Olivia has heard this, it's significant to her. And she's like, okay, hold on, I gotta go. And... Yeah, clearly, and also that's the episode title, so we're like, ooh, clearly that's a very important detail right there. I didn't clock that either. Olivia goes to the White House, straight into the Oval Office. She just, she's in the Oval Office. Stephen calls her asking for help, and Olivia's like, I'll meet you in half an hour. Don't worry. Like, it won't take long here. Also very (laughs) badass. And then the president uh, comes in. And there's people with him and he has to make a toast to like the ambassador of France in a few minutes or whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're like, you're so busy. But then he's like, give us the room. So because he can tell by looking at Olivia that she knows the truth. So he knows he needs to get everybody else out. So he sends them out. And then it's just the two of them in the Oval Office. And he like points up at the ceiling because there's a security camera. And then they both kind of walk out of frame of the security camera by the window and also like you can tell she already knows about the camera because she knows how to walk out of the view of it so that yeah. also gives you a hint she's spent a lot of time in this office before going outside the view of the camera so then they're like they're by the windows and they're like whispering to each other so that they can't be seen or heard 
basically i forgot exactly what they said but like she she's like sweet baby you called her sweet baby and then it, it kind of reveals that the two of them had an affair but she left him they had an affair but she left him because she wanted him to be a better man and a better husband and a better president he's like kind of leaning in and being flirty she says don't touch me and then he does <laughs> He just straight up does. And he like leans in really, really close to her face, like almost kissing her, but not quite. And she seems very uncomfortable with it, but he just stays. He does not move. And then as he's like leaning into her, she asks again, did he buy her the dog? And then he goes, I love you. And then she slaps him. And I was like, thank you, because he is being very disgusting right now. Yes, and this goes back to him saying to her, you know there's only one person I love. And I was correct that he was not referring to his wife. Yeah, I, I like, p- got a weird vibe from that line, but I didn't, like, uh, I didn't fully put it together, but well, now I, I was, are, like, I oh. knew, so I already yeah. knew, so I was, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not about Melly. Like, when the reveal happened, I was, like, oh, I should have seen this coming, but also I, like, didn't want it to be true, because I already had bad this vibes so from him. This is so interesting to me, because I feel like, I feel like that this relationship is a thing I so associate with the show that I thought that was just, like, a thing like once I got it I was like oh that makes sense like I probably should have heard of that but I didn't I don't wow, know that's wild you really went in blind yeah yeah I did I was very shocked <laughs> I got the real like like true airing experience like I was in 2012 wow yeah no I was not having that I was like I know what this is <laughs> but yeah so anyway she's very upset and like she is she has now her confident facade is is gone and she is emotional and she's crying and she says I believed you you made me mistrust my gut and she's she's like upset and furious at herself and also at him for lying to her and then he goes and kisses her in that moment which again (laughs) no he is like I was like these are like all the things you don't do yeah like he's very clearly established as like a very disgusting person and definitely a harasser and abuser in this episode like I at this point I was like I hope they don't try to redeem him because he's very disgusting in every manner I don't super know what they do with him I hope they don't try to redeem him uh, I, I don't know I, I don't know if they do but I hope actually not. I, I actually do know a little bit um but as I'm thinking about it but I don't like I I got the sense of like he's gonna be a recurring character and like if someone's recurring like you usually have to like kind of show both sides to them he, like he maybe he continues to be a villain but I was like I don't want him to be good at all like he's so gross yeah it's like you know that thing that that like trope that I don't like where it's like people are fighting and then the thing that they do to get the person to shut up is kiss them yeah I don't it I was don't that love that and that that's how this felt but worse it was that but not only like sometimes I feel like that trope can kind of work if a they are already in a happy relationship Mm-hmm. prior to fighting and also b if that's like the first time it's breaking the tension but she clearly said don't touch me he tried to kiss her before and she pulled away she slapped yes. him and now he's trying to kiss her so like she has already made it so abundantly clear she does not want that in like five different ways it's very disgusting anyway then cyrus walks in and he can kind of tell what's going on uh, yeah, I love and, how he walked in like, you know, we can hear you like because yeah, sh- they were shouting at each other. <laughs> yeah. But then he sees that they were like kind of kissing. He tells the president to go clean up and get ready for his toast. And the president at that point finally walks out because I guess he knows he kind of has to go be seen publicly. 
And then Cyrus addresses Olivia, uh, and he is like, I, I didn't know. And Olivia's like, really? You, d- you had no idea? Like, I thought he told you everything. But I guess it just didn't matter enough to him to yeah, tell you. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting because since I knew going in what this was with Olivia and Fitz, I, when I was, like, clocking the line that he Fitz said earlier at Camp David, and then mm-hmm. how Cyrus said right after that Melly and Fitz are really happy together— Mm-hmm. I thought that that was him saying to Olivia, don't mess with this. So I was surprised oh. that he said he didn't know. To me, I read it, like, even in retrospect, I was reading it as, like, Fitz has probably cheated several times before, and she's mm. not the only one. But he was, like, saying to Olivia, like, he's not cheating anymore. He's being a good family man. Like, yeah. as an example of, like, this girl is lying. But he didn't know that Olivia was one of those yeah. that he mm-hmm. did with. But also, like, I get that she wanted to believe he was good because, like, that's why she left him. But, like, if she already knows that he was a cheater, why would she believe him in the first place? I, it's that thing of the love. I yeah, don't... love blinds you. Yeah. Whatever. I, I don't <laughs> like him. I just, I, I really don't like him. That's That's my take on it. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Olivia is the most broken up that we've seen her all episode mm-hmm. which is understandable that's a very horrible situation and it's the fucking president of the united states so she like you know she's limited in what she can do about it but then she told steven she was going to meet him so she goes to the restaurant uh she meets steven <laughs> in half an hour just like she said <laughs> and she meets him in the coat closet he's hiding He's hiding in the coat closet, and she gives him another, yet another pep talk. Oh I think that's the fourth one of the episode. He has cold feet, and he's like, I'm, I'm not a good guy. What if she's, she's going to realize I'm not a good guy, and she's going to leave me? And then Olivia says, my gut says that she's in this. You have to try, because if you don't, if you try and it doesn't work out, then it's not on you. So be happy. Go get some normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives him the speech, and he finally gets up his courage and he walks out there and you see him get down on one knee and propose and then everybody applauds olivia kind of shrinks back into the coat closet and she's almost in tears again yeah it's that thing of like she says she's not normal but i think deep down she kind of wants to be normal um but like when you have an affair with the president i just don't think you can be normal i i agree also i would like to say that i noticed so earlier when we first meet Fitz, he calls Olivia Livy, and I was like, oh, that's his fun nickname for her. But then Steven called her Livy, too, and I was yes. like... Okay, can I say my thing now? Okay. You think you see Steven and Abby chemistry? I saw Steven and Olivia chemistry. Interesting. Interesting. But then I was less sure about it by the end of the episode because it seemed more like it seemed more so like she was kind of mothering him a little bit. And, like, pulling him through it. But also in other moments, I, like, I don't know. There was something about the way that it started with the two of them together. And they had this banter about, like, oh, are you going to go through with it or not? And, like, the two of them talking about dating so much. I felt like that was going to be the start of not a right away relationship with them, but foreshadowing for, like, way down the line. But also knowing that he's not on the show for that long. Because he has to go do the hundred. Yeah, no, I didn't get that. I kind of got the vibe of... Steven sleeps with everyone but Olivia from their relationship. Like, mm-hmm. this is just kind of like, he's just, he seems like a fairly generally flirty person. And it's one of the, I think that I just got friends from them. 
Yeah, I don't like as I've thought about it more, I may be not thinking it, but that was my reaction the first time I was seeing it. I don't know. Maybe it was just because they're like out of all of the team, he was the one that she had the most significant relationship with in this episode. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why I was thinking it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. He had the most other stuff going on. Then our next scene, we have Olivia go back to the police station and talk to Sully. And she tries to convince him one last time to go public with his alibi and come out. She says, this is not about you not going to jail. It's about you not living a lie. And then she says, I know what uh, living with a secret is like. And she's very clearly very, you know, changed by what, the things she's just been through. She has this big secret that she had an affair with the president and she cannot tell anyone, even those closest to her. So that's tough. Not quite the same as being gay, but it's, 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 it's tough. And that moment also felt very heavy handed to me. But I was like, I'll give you a pass this time since, you know, you just had something really hard happen to you and you were crying, even though you don't believe in crying. So <laughs> give you a pass on this one. And then Sully's kind of silent. But then he says, John Latimer, that's the guy I was with. And I do love him. Oh, because she said, like, it looks like you love that guy earlier yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's the re resolution to his plot. And then right after that, we immediately cut to a press conference. So it must be like a day or two later. They've given the alibi to the police and he's been released. But he's now holding a press conference where he says, you know, I am a war vet, blah, 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 blah. And I am proud to be a, a veteran and, all, and also gay. So he's publicly coming out. Olivia's watching him from the sidelines, kind of nodding, you know, happy for him. And then see Abby and Steven back at headquarters watching it on TV. And they're also proud because they did the job and they... And like Steven has his arm around Abby and he's like telling her good job and she looks yeah. all happy with this recognition yeah. in such yeah, a way. Yeah, so I see what you were saying. I read that as very much like the just the two co-workers who are just friends, but like I also could see it. See, here's the thing. They ca Every time Steven was talking about Georgia and Abby was nearby, the camera kept going back to oh. Abby looking. I did not notice that, probably because I was taking notes so much, but that's interesting. If Which that's is why I then sent you yeah. the text that said, I really think Steven is giving Abby mixed signals. But anyway, then, so Quinn is like, but who killed Paige? <laughs> And then they're and then, like, that's not important. Well, yeah, not like, to us. They're like, that is not our job. That is the police's job. And then Quinn's like, are we really the good guys? Like, she's asking all these things. She's the surrogate, the audience surrogate, asking all these characters, uh, asking these questions that, um, that we are wondering as well about, like, how is this wrapped up? And then Harrison's like, Olivia's the best guy. Uh, you gotta believe it. And we're gladiators. And she's like, yeah, gladiators. I'm a gladiator in a suit. Cyrus comes back and he's talking to Olivia and he says, the president wants to see you. And Olivia is like, tell him to go to hell. And she says, tell him that uh, I have a new client, which is Amanda Tanner. And he better hope that she doesn't want to go public because she's my client now. So she's not technically like attacking the president full on, but that's basically essentially going to war with the president by taking on Amanda as her client. And then the last shot is of her watching Sully's press conference again on the TV and kind of looking happy yes. and proud that she did some good. And that's the end. Yes. Ooh. So, yeah, that's a very eventful pilot. And I uh -huh. think now I guess we can talk about, like, you know more of what actually happens than I do, but, like, where do we think it's going? And, like, would we keep watching? 
things that I got from this pilot is we already kind of talked about the art, the relationship stuff, whatever. But like plot wise, I mean, I get the sense it's going to be semi procedural, like there will be kind of new cases every week. But I'm getting the sense that this plot with the president and Amanda is probably going to be an ongoing season arc. Mm hmm. I mean, certainly the president, but I, like, I was getting the sense that Amanda is going to be involved for a while, too. Yeah, and I guess, like, Quinn adjusting to being part of the team and, like, finding her role within them. Because I feel like I, as an audience member, don't super know why Quinn was hired. Everybody else has a yeah. very specific job, and she didn't really get a specific purpose yet. But, I don't know. Like, I definitely want to find out more of, like, what Olivia is going to do about the president. Because... The, yeah he sucks <laughs> yeah I don't know you look like you know everything that's gonna happen and you're just trying not to tell me <laughs> I know I don't I don't know everything but I like know <laughs> the big things so <laughs> yeah a thing that I got from this that I would expect more of is that Huck's it goes back to Huck talking about how everyone in the office needs fixing so mm -hmm. I think we're gonna see more about how they need fixing, especially with Quinn, I feel mm -hmm. like, because like we, I, like you said, I feel like we don't know why she got this job. We just know she's a lawyer and she doesn't mm -hmm. have like a clear purpose yet. Um, like she's still the newbie. And I think yeah. that I want to see her get past newbie stage. I want to see why she's special enough that, that uh, Olivia wanted to hire her, frankly. This is so interesting to me, um, especially because I mentioned earlier that I don't, Steven was the only one of these <laughs> characters that I didn't remember, like just yeah. from like having like seen all the characters do things. So I wonder how long he stays. Also, because she kind of, we kind of got his like thing that needs fixing immediately. I wonder, I kind of wonder if he's like one of those characters that they ended up doing away with. Because his thing got wrapped up. Yeah. 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 So that's a good point. Or also maybe he just got his job on the 100 and left. It, this came out in 2012, which means yeah. that he could have done another season. He could have been this. in season two, but like season one was a mid-season replacement. So he could have maybe done season two and then left. I wonder who else needs fixing and in what way as well. I assume Abby needs fixing because she keeps staring at Steven. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something's up with that. And I'm like... Yeah. And also I wonder like if she was clearly in love with Steven, like Olivia would know... So would she also, like, give Steven that pep talk and encourage him to get engaged? I don't know. I don't know. I think something's weird with them. I think they're, I think some yeah. secrets are being kept. I also feel like there's probably something being teased between Quinn and Harrison, but, like, that's... Mm, that's interesting. Just because of, like, the way it started with the two of them, and, like, they were mostly talking to each other the whole episode. Like, also, like, it wasn't overtly romantic, Mm -hmm. But I just kind of on TV, like when you have a, a man and a woman that are kind of thrown together like that in every scene, I feel like I'm conditioned to see it mm, as that's romantic. Fair. Like not on purpose, but like because that's usually how it goes on TV. Yeah, so those are kind of all the thoughts I had. So like I feel like let's also talk more about like what does this pilot do well and like are there other ways it's similar to Grey's Anatomy because I felt a lot of similarities towards the beginning and then less so as it went on. The thing you mentioned earlier when you were saying that we had the repetition of Sully continuing to bring up the mm -hmm. page was my best friend not necessarily the same thing happened on Grey's Anatomy but we do have with Katie the annoying girl that had an aneurysm her yeah. talking about her injury that no one yeah. clocked 
her saying to Meredith, my head is full, and then Meredith ignoring it because she's like, that yeah. just needs your thinking. Wait, I want to, I probably won't be able to fully tell by looking at my notes, but I think both of those things were the things that, that like solved the end of act three. I'm pretty sure both of yeah. those things came at the end of act three, the the rhythmic gymnastics that came up in act one, act two, and then it got it, the twist or, you know, the information came out in act three or at the, mm -hmm. at the end of act three. And I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure the best friend thing, it came up in act one, act two, and then yeah, was that the end of act three? I think so. Yes. Wow. Oh, we cracked the Shonda code. <laughs> this is so exciting. Wow. Oh my gosh. Now I'm excited for how to get away with murder now to see if that's... Oh, if that happens, if there's a repeated little thing that comes up act one, act two, and then it gets us the break, act three break. Yeah. Uh -huh. I like, I think the thing about Shonda shows is that even when the stuff starts to get crazy, it's like you're in for good actors. So yeah. that'll definitely yeah. keep you watching. She's good at, I mean, I know she isn't the sole person doing the casting, um, but like she and whatever casting directors she works with and other producers, they're good at casting. They're very I think. good. Yeah, I would say this episode, this pilot compared to Grey's, Grey's has Meredith as the protagonist, but it definitely is more of an ensemble show. This one to me is much more about Olivia. Yeah. And then they have Quinn as kind of the audience surrogate, but like not really, her character is not really a focus. She's kind of more of like a framing device, I feel like. Not a framing device, but yeah, like a, a guide character for us. Mm -hmm. Whereas Olivia is clearly the, pr the protagonist that we're supposed to care about. I have a thought yeah. that I don't know if, because it was interesting to me when you mentioned uh, Melly and you didn't realize that that was his wife. <laughs> at first, yeah. which is so interesting to me because I think she gets way more important than this sets out to make her. This As I was reading, like, it talked about her a bunch, so I think she does get important. Yeah, I like, I like, because I feel like one of the things I associate with Scandal is Melly. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see her just have that one scene. Yeah, it's, in a lot of the pilots we've watched, it's interesting to go back and notice how a lot of characters that are very important in their series even in the first season some of them don't come in in the pilot episode or hardly at all yeah and I think knowing knowing who you need to include in the pilot and knowing who you can safely leave out even if they're going to be important that is one of the challenges as a writer and that's yeah. one of the marks of like having a good pilot or not is like knowing how to make that judgment call mm-hmm yeah, because the thing is, like, for if you're once you have the series, you can know I'm going to get to you in episode two, and that's okay. But when you're writing the pilot and you're a person at home and you're not Shonda Rhimes already, and you don't know <laughs> if it's going to get made, you only have your one script to hand to people. Yeah, you can't. I mean, sometimes you also get to show like a Bible or something, I guess, but you don't have as much leeway to say like this person's going to come in later and be more important. Like you have to decide, do they fit in this pilot plot or do they not? I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of going on a tangent here. I might cut this out, but like, as I've been working on a script lately and you also have been working on scripts lately. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, we were part of the reason we do this podcast is because we're trying to learn about screenwriting. And yeah, I feel like what we've been observing about these pilots has been very helpful to me yeah, thus far. Me uh, and I like learning from the ones that are really good. It's fun. I am excited for it to, like, all this, like, random things I know to finally make sense. Because yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. like, so many things where it's like, this makes no sense to me right now. I have a feeling that when I watch it, I'm going to hear and see things and be like, oh, like, I have heard about that. And I just didn't remember. 
because like it's mm-hmm. it was such a major show for most of the 2010s like I must have heard things and I just forgot or didn't yeah that's why I was that's why I found it so fascinating that you did not clock the Fitz and Olivia thing before I th- I feel like there was other similar shows that were airing at the time that I also was not watching and I got some of them like mixed up in my head and I can't remember which one's which I this is gonna sound silly when I say it because these two shows are very different but as a person who was hearing about both of them and did not watch either of them I feel like I got Scandal and Veep mixed up in my head a lot Mm, because I knew they were women-led shows that kind of had to do with the White House and I I didn't really know anything else about them beyond that so I feel like I got some of those things (laughs) blended in my head I feel like I kind of thought Scandal was about the vice president and I wait is Lisa Kudrow on Scandal did I make that up is she she does appear on Scandal okay so yeah and I heard some stuff about her and her arc and again like I know I'm gonna watch it and I'm gonna be like oh yeah I actually did hear about this character or this thing but I just it's buried in the recesses of my memory because I didn't really think about it but yeah I, I expect I'm going to hear and see a lot of things and then be like oh yes I did see cultural references to that my favorite cultural mm-hmm. reference I said already it's handled that's a good line it's a good catchphrase and then like I knew like what the gladiators were so I'm excited to keep watching. I, I liked this and it was it was very entertaining. And as I said, I think I'm going to enjoy it more when I don't have to take notes because yeah. writing down all of the things they were saying so fast was stressful, but watching it will be less stressful. Um, yeah, so I guess our verdict is, yes, keep watching Scandal. Another super strong Shonda pilot. Yeah. Yeah, and now I'm really looking forward to seeing, as we said, if How to Get Away with Murder follows this very similar structure even though it's not written by Shonda yeah I don't remember what show show that guy wrote on but I will figure I will figure it out before next week thanks for listening we want to hear from you now if you have any thoughts about the scandal pilot you'd like to share with us or suggestions for shows we should watch you can email us at it's in my pod at gmail.com And if you want to prepare for the final part of our Shondaland series next week, we will be discussing the pilot of How to Get Away with Murder. So go ahead and watch or rewatch the first episode of that show to be ready for our discussion next week. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter at InMyQPod or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. Thanks for listening, and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.